informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, January the 20th, 2023. Praise be to God. January is almost over. I mean, it's moving that fast. The feast day of St. Sebastian, martyr of the church. Pray for us. Today, Father Carlos Martins is going to be back on the program. It's been a very long time since we've talked to him. He has a brand new podcast series about to launch, The Exorcist Files. Uh, I Heart Media, the Vatican asked him to do it. He's basically recounting some of his experiences as an exorcist, you might recall Father Carlos Martins is one of like the, uh, I would say, foremost experts on the relics of the church as well. All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. Here's a question. Is uh, the Pope Francis Pontificate unleashed now that Benedict has passed? Or is there a conservative plot against him? We're going to talk about an article out of the Pillar Uh, Coming up at 15 past the hour, looking at that story. Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, is going to be on at the top of the next hour, for those of you that can join us, asking the question that atheists are asking, could God be evil? I mean, if he can be good, he can be evil, right? Is God evil? Well, we'll look at what St. Thomas Aquinas says with Dave Palmer at the top of the next hour. Lots of stories in the news, of course, today. Uh, The Supreme Court has done their due diligence looking for that leaker of the Roe v. Wade overturn decision, you know, the Dobbs decision in 2022. Couldn't find anybody. (laughs) They tried. They they gave it their best. And uh, nope, sorry, just couldn't find whoever did that. It's, uh, oh well, big mystery. Alec Baldwin has been charged. I honestly didn't see that coming. Yeah. Also, the armorer, too. I thought they should have been charged, like, I don't know, the same day that they, uh, you know, the woman died. Yeah. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, he is actually going to have to face a criminal charge. So I guess that's good news. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says uh, no more taking vacation days at the the, uh, Congress. You got to come in and actually cast your vote in person. Dang it. I know. It's like, buddy. But I love working from home. You're going to mess up my golf game. I'm just That's saying. so true. You know? So true. Like, I didn't get elected, so I had to work. <sighs> that guy. Hey, almost 70% of Americans support limiting abortions now, according to a recent Knights of Columbus poll. Uh, that's good. Oh, uh, praise be to God. 99.9 would be better, but 70 is a good start. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and this is good news now. An elderly farmer in Geraldine, Alabama, recently passed away. God bless him, and uh, we pray for his repose. His name was Hody Childress. Apparently, since the 90s, has been paying the local uh, pharmacy extra cash to pay for his neighbor's medicines. Wow. On the down low, the QT. Didn't want anybody to know. What a kick at Chad. So they didn't re- reveal him until after he passed. $100 a month, I think, he was giving to the pharmacist for years and years and years so his neighbors wouldn't have to pay so much for their Incredible. Drugs. Yeah, what a cool story. Uh, what's on your agenda this weekend, Rudy? Well, this weekend, uh, don't have very very much plans at this moment, but, uh, you know, I, I thought about it. I, I really need to ask you for a favor, dear listener, uh, a really good friend of mine, my one of my best friends, uh, he just lost his uh, newborn baby. So if you could keep the Garcias in your prayers, uh, 
uh, this weekend, I would really appreciate it. It's such a tragic, devastating story. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, they do need your prayers. So I have to ask that of you. Amen. We'll we'll pray for sure. Adrian, I know you have some uh, plans this weekend in the Great oh, yeah. White North. Totally, 100%. Not quite oh. the White North with Alan, yeah, but going... almost there. Almost there. I'm going to Wisconsin to, or today, actually. I'm going to Wisconsin today. So nice. if you have any recommendations of things I could do in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, let me know. Hit me up. Take your ice skates. Um, take my ice <laughs> skates. I could, probably. It's going to snow on Sunday. Is it? But Yeah, it, it is, apparently. But actually, uh, also... Speaking of some people to pray for, yesterday I went to a wake. Uh, today's the funeral. I'll be missing the funeral of Sophocles George. He uh, was a he was my neighbor, and he just passed away. Uh, Ninety three years old. Um, he was. It was uh, so. It was weird because it was a Greek Orthodox mm-hmm. uh, wake. So the the Greek Orthodox came priest in there. You might say it was all Greek to me. Um, <laughs> Greek to you. But but pray for his soul that he uh, yeah. we uh, that he is uh, that our Lord has mercy on his soul. That perpetual light shine upon him. Amen. May the souls of able to part that the mercy of God rest in peace. All Amen. Right. Well, we'll be praying for you and uh, for the repose of their souls. And all oh, I think what well, I love it when my phone makes lots of noise. That's praise be to God for that. Hey, all right. So let's pray. Let's keep everybody's intentions in our prayers today, especially the repose of those who have died. Uh, today or this week. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary. That never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, January 20th. Here are your headlines this morning. Justin News reports, top Russian official hints at nuclear war should the invasion of Ukraine fail. The former Russian president, Dmitry Medvedev, who has been serving as a deputy chairman of the Security Council of Russia, hinted that Moscow might resort to nuclear strikes should it fail to win its war with Ukraine by conventional means. He said, quote, The loss by a nuclear power in a conventional war can provoke the outbreak of a nuclear war. The nuclear powers do not lose major conflicts on which their fate depends, unquote. Catholic News Agency reports Supreme Court failed to find source of leaked opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court has announced that it failed to find the person responsible for the leaked draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. A joint statement released by the Supreme Court and Marshal of the Court today said that the investigation has not been able to positively identify the culprit despite including, concluding rather, that it is unlikely that the court was hacked or narrowing the search to 82 employees who had access to the electronic hard copies of the draft opinion. Catholic Vote reports FBI statement downplays attack on pro-life groups. The FBI said on uh, Thursday that it is offering $25,000 worth of rewards for information in a series of attacks against, quote, reproductive health care services. While the FBI's statement heavily emphasized attacks on abortion facilities, all but one of the 10 crimes the FBI listed were attacks on pro-life organizations. And the Blaze reports... Proxy voting has ended. McCarthy requires Congress to show up to work if they want their vote to count. The practice of voting by proxy was established by former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi in May 2020 to allow lawmakers to observe recommended COVID protocol. Pelosi then extended the policy several times. 
and it seems like the vacation is over. Oh well. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Fabian. Eusebius was born a few years after Fabian's death, and he tells us how Fabian came to Rome after Pope Antorus died in 236. A layperson, and not a very important one, he may have come for the same reason. Many still come to Rome today during a papal election. Concern for the future of the faith, curiosity about the new pope, a desire to grieve for the pope who had passed. Seeing all the important people gathered to make this momentous decision must have been overwhelming. Which one would be the new pope? Someone no, someone known for power? Someone known for eloquence? Someone known for courage? But suddenly, during the discussion, a dove descended from the ceiling. But it didn't settle on someone known for any, anything at all. The dove, according to Eusebius, settled on Fabian's head as a clear imitation of the descent of the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove upon the Savior. There must have been something of the Holy Ghost working because everyone suddenly proclaimed Fabian as worthy to be Pope, and the stranger was elected. To us, the dove signifies peace, and this dove was prophetic. Starting close to Fabian's election, the suffering and persecuted church began a time of peace. The Emperor Philip was friendly to Christians, and not only was the persecution stopped, but Christians experienced acceptance. In this era of peace, Fabian was able to build up the structure of the Church of Rome, appointing seven deacons and helping to collect the acts of the martyrs. But in a timeless story, the people who had always been in power were not happy to see the newcomers growing and thriving. There were many incidents of pagans attacking Christians, and when Philip died, so died the time of peace. The new emperor, Decius, ordered all Christians to deny Christ by offering incense to idols or through some other pagan ritual. With the ascension of Emperor Decius, the government's tolerant policy toward Christians ended. He ordered everyone in the empire, with the exception of Jews, to offer incense to cult images or deities representing the Roman state. This was unacceptable to the Christians, and Fabian was one of the earliest victims of Decius, dying as a martyr on the 20th of January, 250. St. Fabian, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from the optional John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Lapide Friday, Adrian. Yes, absolutely. When Christ was about to go away into heaven, Cornelius Lapide says, he here appoints Peter, his vicar upon earth, and creates him chief pontiff, that the one church might be ruled by one shepherd. Christ had promised the same thing in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, but in this place, he confers the gift and constitutes him prince and ruler of the whole church, lest anyone on account of Peter's threefold denial should say that Christ had changed his decree concerning him. The Hebrew Simon means obedient, 
and John means grace. Therefore, Peter is thus spoken of as the son of obedience or obeying the grace of God, because indeed he embraces him with a burning love, the effect not of human merit, but of a divine gift. Cornelius Lapide continues and says, Peter does not dare to say, I love thee more than the others do, but I love thee, both because he did not know the hearts of the others, and secondly, because of his fall, he had become more modest and cautious. For he had put himself before the others when he said, Lord, although all should be offended in thee, ye will n- I never be offended. And yet a little afterwards, he fell more shamefully than all the others and denied Christ, which they did not. He saith unto them, feed my lambs, feed like as a shepherd feeds the sheep by leading them to pasture and by feeding them rules and guides them that they may not stray from the flock nor approach noxious pastures nor be seized by the wolves. And by lambs, he understands simple, faithful souls, and by sheep, the teachers, pastors, bishops, and apostles, who are, as it were, mothers of the faithful. Thus says Bellarmine. Cornelius Lapide continues, he says, From this place, there it is in plain that St. Peter, in his successor, the Roman pontiff, is the head and prince of the church, and that all the faithful, even bishops, patriarchs, and apostles, are subject to him, and ought by him to be fed and ruled. We gather this first because Christ here interrogates Peter only, and this thrice as the chief and mouth of the apostles. Moreover, Christ here tacitly signifies that Peter loved him more than the other apostles, and therefore that he was worthy to succeed him in the love and care of the flock. For the power which is not founded upon love comes to naught. He continues, by these words, Christ signifies all the members of the church as it were subject to himself, the chief shepherd, for he accepts no one. They, therefore, who are the sheep of Christ, are likewise the sheep of Peter. For Christ here commits them to him, to be fed and ruled. They, therefore, who are not Peter's sheep, namely heretics, neither are they the sheep of Christ. For Christ instituted the most excellent government in his church, that is, the monarchic, both that there might be one church, and that occasion of schism might be cut off. And finally, from this passage, theologians generally, especially Suarez, on indulgences show that the power of granting indulgences was given by Christ to Peter and the pontiff who succeeded him. For under the word fed is included every act of jurisdiction may pertain to shutting or opening the kingdom of heaven. So think about that today. Think about how our Lord decided to give such grandeur to Peter and his successors. Let's hold our pontiffs up to that standard that our Lord set up for Peter. Coming up right after this quick break, we're going to be talking about a new article out of The Pillar. Pope Francis unleashed after Benedict or conservative plot. It's coming up. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth. Plain absurdity. 
Now, the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joel McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour in the next segment, Father Carlos Martins is going to be our guest. He is, uh, I would say, one of the world's foremost experts on relics in the church, but he's also an exorcist. And he has a brand new podcast coming out called The Exorcist Files, a 3D binaural podcast. How many of those do you find? Uh, mind blown. We're going to have him on the program to talk about what we can expect in this brand new uh, podcast coming out in just a few days from now. That's coming up in the next segment. Do join us if you can. We would love to have you. There are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And you might recall that I recently read a few articles of great concern uh, last week. I posted those on my Joe McClain YouTube channel we have when Cardinal Pell died, we had two uh, big statements from him. We learned that a year ago he circulated a letter under the anonymous Demos uh, amongst cardinals, which was really heavy hitting. I read that to you. It's again linked up on my Joe McLean YouTube channel. I also read to you his last article for The Spectator, which is critical of the synodal way. All of that on the Joe McLean channel. Then when Benedict dies, we had uh, what we thought of as his last statements. And then we saw an article out of The Telegraph that I also read on this program. I think that's also linked up over Joe McLean. At any rate, uh, where we were told that there was a faction of secretive conservative bishops and curial officials who want to oust Pope Francis. In the shadows. In the shadows. When I read that, I said, ah, this is gaslighting. I'm like, I don't know, this is PSYOPs. This, the, whoever this, uh, this supposed cardinal was that was making these statements to the Telegraph, this is not a conservative. He was, he was trying to stir the pot. That was my take on that article. Well, this morning I saw an article out of The Pillar. The headline says, Pope Francis unleashed versus the conservative plot are either real is the question. Here's the article. After the death of Pope Benedict XVI on New Year's Eve, some figures around the Vatican predicted that the death of the Pope Emeritus would usher in a new era of the Francis pontificate, unrestrained by his predecessor. Uh, And even before Benedict's funeral, some church watchers have also claimed that there is a kind of renewed resistance to Pope Francis among his conservative critics, with talk even of plots to force the Pope from office. Are either of those narratives real? Is the death of Benedict really likely to affect Francis's governance of the Church? How real is the talk of brewing ecclesiastical civil war in Rome? Or are both narratives actually signs of growing impatience among progressive Catholics with a pope who, some say, has not gone far enough in 
the first decade of his reign. The death of Pope Benedict on December the 31st had the unusual character of feeling both sudden and expected for many in the church, especially in Rome. In the near decade he spent living in his self-created status of Pope Emeritus, he grew steadily less visible, and his public statements, uh, never frequent, ever fewer. While some of his rare contributions to church life, like his 2019 letter on Episcopal accountability in the wake of the McCarrick scandal, were warmly welcomed by all sides, others were not. Most notably, in 2020, uh, in 2020, when a book in defense of clerical celibacy appeared listing Benedict as a co-author with Cardinal Robert Seurat, many prominent pro-Francis, pro-Francis commentators denounced it as an attempt by the former pope and his supporters to block his successor's freedom to reform the church as he saw fit. That criticism was renewed when Pope Francis declined to loosen the discipline of celibacy after the Synod on the Amazon and fed into a wider narrative that the Pope could or would have been bolder on a range of issues from married clergy to same-sex unions to female ordinations had it not been for the restraining force of his non-agenarian predecessor living in semi-seclusion at the bottom of the garden. You know, the guy wearing white, and the, you know, the had the ring and everybody came, you know, the Cardinals would come visit that guy, that guy. What was his name? Oh, Pope Emeritus. I forgot. Uh, Francis, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a teasing. Francis did, of course, visit Benedict at the Mater Ecclesia Monastery, and there is no record of what the two men might have discussed in private and no definitive way of knowing how much the former Pope influenced or even restrained Francis. But the suggestion often made in the wake of Benedict's death that the Pope Emeritus was some kind of check on a radical Francis pontificate doesn't have many obvious examples to draw on. The controversial book on clerical celibacy from which Benedict's name was subsequently removed as co-author didn't depart markedly from Francis's own numerous public statements in support of the discipline. Similarly, expectations of definitive change on issues like female ordination and church recognition of same-sex unions have been repeatedly stoked and disappointed during the Francis era, with the Pope himself often making his own reservations on the subjects clear. And on signature Benedict issues, like the uh, use of the extraordinary form of the liturgy, the Pope Emeritus did not, did not seem willing or able to prevent Francis effectively abrogating his predecessor's legacy. Indeed, in the days following Benedict's death, his former private secretary, Archbishop Georg Gonswein, published a book revealing what many already assumed, that Benedict was heartbroken over Francis's promulgation of Traditionis Custodis in 2021. Yet the book, billed as a controversial tell-all, offered no indication Benedict offered or encouraged any resistance to Francis's decision, and instead accepted it as the will of the Pope. Despite this, the narrative that Francis could have achieved more without Benedict has gained traction in many corners of the church, perhaps especially in the former Pope's native Germany, where many of the more radical and unfulfilled proposals for reform have formed the core of the synodal way which Francis has repeatedly sought to check. 
And it is probably worth noting that when Benedict was alive but out of church affairs, Francis was denounced for lacking the courage to produce real reform by the synodal organizers without reference to his predecessor. In fact, dispassionate weighing of Francis's words and actions on issues like female ordination, married clergy, and homosexuality probably supports the 2019 conclusion of Vatican commentator Austin Ivory, who said Benedict and Francis were very different men and very different popes. But on the fundamentals, there seems to be little distance between them. While few of the most prominent self-styled champions of Francis may agree with that conclusion today, the narrative that Benedict was some kind of unwelcome and illicit restraining force on Francis may be a kind of deflected criticism of the current pope and an expression of frustration that hasn't gone further with a reforming agenda for which he's cleared much space but offered little practical support. Shortly after Benedict's funeral, and amplified by the publication of Gonswine's book, media reports and commentary pieces also began circulating about a supposed secret plan among conservatives to drive Pope Francis from office. These reports, which made their way into secular media coverage, offered up sometimes lured conspiracy theories which ran the gamut from plots to heap pressure on Francis to force his resignation to a supposed secret conclave held by cardinals who rejected Francis's election and considered the See of Peter vacant after Benedict's death. While talk of secret Benevacantist conclave is obviously fantasy, criticism of Francis's pontificate certainly does exist in the church. Many, including bishops and cardinals, have spoken publicly about their concerns with the methods and aims of the ongoing global synodal process. But is there really any evidence that it has become elevated in recent weeks or that it is part of a conservative plot to unseat the Pope following Benedict's death? Shortly following his own death, 10 days before Benedict, Cardinal Pell was credited with the authorship of last year's so-called Demos Memo, a stark critique of the Francis pontificate ranging across issues from the Synod to clarity on the Church's teaching to Vatican financial reform. The memo's publisher, Vatican journalist Sandro Magister, uh, has said Pell gave permission to identify him as the author after his death. As it has happened, Magister's announcement to that effect coincided with an article written by Pell for a British magazine which repeated criticisms of the synodal process. The posthumous airing of Pell's criticism has made news and in the case of the Demos memo, it has led to a sharp conversation about what Pell believed the next pope ought to do whenever he arrives. But the Demos memo was first circulated nearly a year ago, and timing of Pell being outed as the author was apparently linked to his own death, not Benedict's, barring even more lured conspiracy theories, and so hardly credible to a current plot against Pope Francis. More to the point, many of Pell's concerns about the wider synodal agenda have been echoed for some time by others, including prominent liberal voices like Cardinal Walter Casper. Similarly, in press comments ahead of the forthcoming book, former CDF prefect 
Cardinal Gerhard Mueller has warned against the contradictory paradigm being employed in the synodal process to challenge church teaching, but has pitched its criticism as a help to people who have problems with this pontificate, rather than as direct opposition to Francis himself. In all cases, the concerns expressed by figures like Pell, Casper, and Mueller long predate the death of Benedict, and coverage of them is almost always framed in opposition to Francis's supposed support for an agenda, agenda including married clergy, openness to female ordination, and acceptance by the Church of Homosexual Relationships. Rather than a new civil war in the Vatican, it appears very much like business as usual during a pontificate in which Francis has routinely said he wants open discussion on contentious issues. Ahead of the final stage of the global synodal process set to begin in Rome in October, those same contentious issues will no doubt be subject to the same kind of feverish debate and expectation, building which have uh, preceded previous synodal sessions. But as of yet, Francis has given no indication that he will deliver the kind of dramatic reforms being called for in some wings of the church, even if he seems willing to allow them to shape the meeting's agenda. If those radical reforms do not arrive, it seems likely that those disappointed by Francis's failure to deliver on that agenda will blame conservatives for holding the, the Pope back. Will that blame be fairly placed? Given Francis's reputation, as a hard, if not impossible man to manage, it seems more likely that it is the Pope himself and not some vast right-wing conspiracy who will decide what he does with the respect of his papacy and what he doesn't. And that is your article, Out of the Pillar. And as I said when I read some of those articles, it is business as usual at the Vatican. It is business as usual. And golly gee whiz, if only those conservative bishops would be that courageous, which they're not. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's a couple more headlines for you. This is from the Epic Times. The U.S. reaches debt ceiling. 
forcing Treasury into extraordinary measures. The Treasury Department may use accounting and budgetary measures known as extraordinary measures to avoid defaulting on the national debt until Congress takes action to raise the debt limit and allow the government to borrow again. The Treasury anticipates implementing these two extraordinary measures this month. Firstly, they will redeem existing and suspend new investments of the Civil Service Retirement and Disability Fund and the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund. Secondly, reinvestments of the Government Securities Investment Fund of the Federal Employees Retirement System Thrift Savings Plan will be suspended. And the Epic Times also reports U.S. Coast Guard monitoring alleged Russian spy ship off of Hawaii. They noted that the foreign military ships can move freely through U.S. economic zones under the international law, but said that foreign-flagged military vessels have been observed operating and loitering within Coast Guard District 14's area of response. The Coast Guard added that it is monitoring the situation. Nothing to see here, folks. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Carlos Martins. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's been a long time since uh, we've seen you or talked to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. How are you? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Joe. I'm, I'm doing just fine. Praise be to God. Uh, when I saw your post on Facebook, a brand new podcast, uh, this looks like it's going to be a big deal. So tell us about what uh, new project you have on the horizon. Sure. Well, uh, I've served as uh, an exorcist for many years. And about three years ago, um, two producers approached the Holy See with an idea for programming on modern day experiences with evil and modern day kind of occurrences of, of the supernatural. And so they wanted to, to give people uh, a kind of a flavor of what's happening today. And they went to the Vatican because the Vatican has, a, a, you know, has departments that deal with that very thing. So they, they had approached the, the dicastery of the saints, such at the time called the, the Congregation for the Causes of Saints, and uh, with this idea. And they were met with a lot more welcome than most people uh, are met with when they request for the Vatican to kind of open up their resources. Mm. And, and the reason why was uh, the, the, the quality of the two producers. So one was John Sullivan, who is the producer of Gosnell and the movie Unplanned. The other one was Ryan Bethay, who does um, lots of kind of... Um, Protestant apologetics, uh, Christian apologetics in the Protestant community, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. But the character of them uh, impressed the Holy See so much that uh, the Secretary of State then uh, referred them to me. Uh, so they, uh, because I do work with relics worldwide, so there, there are healings that occur regularly at the expositions that, that are conducted. And the fact that I serve as an exorcist and have served as a consultant uh, with certain individuals in the Holy See in that area, they said, look, go contact Father Martins. He can guide you with both things. And so this is the fruit of that. And the, the purpose of it is, is to give people a, a catechesis, a thorough catechesis on 
what the ministry of exorcism is. And it's timely today simply because exorcists are being called upon more than we ever have. So there is a de-Christianization of our culture, and that de-Christianization is causing people to turn uh, to paganism and to mm. occultism. And and that's that's just a natural it's a natural progression of one eliminate when one eliminates the the spiritual guidance from their life that is instituted by Christ, when when they eliminate Christ who has come to show the way to the Father, then people are going to turn to unhealthy ways of of living out a spirituality because we can't help it but be spiritual beings. Uh, and so uh, this is uh, something to speak to that and to and to kind of remedy that effect. Mm. So when I watched the trailer for your upcoming podcast, which releases, I think this in a, just a few days from now, the 25th of January, I think we can begin to see the, the first episode. It looks like production values are pretty high on this. So they're really putting in a lot of effort. Yeah, so I I heard media spent a lot of money to produce this, and you know, for the Holy See to be involved, uh, for me to be involved, uh, we needed an assurance that our message is going to be given uncensored and unadulterated. Um, you know, Hollywood entities, media entities, uh, they are in the business of 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 selling entertainment of of a of accumulating viewers. And, and we can certainly appreciate that. Um, and the way they do that in this field is, you know, exorcism, they want to sell a sizzle and that sizzle for exorcism is going to be the bizarre. It's going to be the, the, the battles with evil. And it's going to be the, the diabolical phenomena that you see in, in things like the movie, the exorcist and, and that, those kind of phenomena, they they put bum bums in seats, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, they sell a sizzle, but and and also and while I can certainly speak to that, we want to go beyond that. We want to catechize, and so what what I heart agreed to, and and I have to I have to admit it was a delight. It was a, simply a delight to work with them and to work with the producer who brought this about, Ryan Bethay, was mm -hmm. the fact that the church retained the right to veto everything. Oh, cool. Uh, so everything up until, up until even the final cut, so that, hey, look, this word is, is misplaced, it's out of place, or uh, that simply goes on too long. Uh, we want that eliminated, we want that cut, we want that re-recorded re with something else. So they agreed to that, and, and that, was, that was mightily impressive. I remember the attorney that we had, that looked over this 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 agreement. Uh, the, the 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 attorney being Sam Curphy, one of the only, may, perhaps the only Catholic attorney in Hollywood. Uh, he said to me, frankly, uh, you know, I'm putting this all in our terms in the contract. They will never agree to this because no company is going to ever agree to spend mm -hmm. a phenomenal amount of money on a production and then give the veto to somebody else. Wow. That and at you know at the final cut. Uh, that they can say, look, this this can't air this way. But but that's exactly what they did. They agreed to it. And so this podcast is is the fruit of that. You know, Father, that's really fascinating to me because I was just thinking I was 
I have a guilty pleasure of watching some of the ancient alien stuff, uh, the conspiracy theories and all those things. I think it's hilarious. And I was watching an episode they did about demons. And I was like, okay, I got to see what they're going to say about this. And I was surprised to see Adam Bly as one of the people they were interviewing. And I was like, whoa, what was that about? And I was uh, shocked because uh, Adam Bly was in it. And I could only imagine that he was told, hey, we're going to do an interview on demons. Would you be willing to talk to us? Because everything Adam Bly said was perfectly in continuity with church teaching. But they cut up his interview to stick it in the side of parts where they made it sound like he was endorsing the idea that demons were actually aliens and right. these ideas. So right. it's amazing that you were able to do that. Cause I, I was my fear hearing that you did this with iHeartRadio. So what were your thoughts behind this kind of thing? Yeah, sure. And I, again, I have to admit iHeart and, and the producers, frankly, were, were very, very accommodating. Uh, they were very eager to please. They, they wanted to, for us to have the platform, us being the, the church, the, the Catholics, uh, to be able to give our position unadulterated and authentically, uh, I have to admit it's it's been amongst it's been a partnership that, that has been very easy, uh, and just very gratifying to be part of. One of the things that, that I immediately caught my attention is real curiosity here: a three D binaural podcast like. I know what binaural means, but how do you, is, is this a video? This is obviously a video podcast. So it's both video and audio. Like you're, are you really doing 3d video? No, no, it's, it's only audio. It's oh, only audio. And the binaural but is what's making it 3d. It's what's making it 3d in terms of sound. Can so you explain the effects, to the audience what binaural means? Sure. Sure. So one, one of the phenomena that can happen in a room in an exorcism you know, of course, when you enter, when you enter into an exorcism, the, in a sense, the, the rule of physics or the, the, the laws of physics are, are optional. <laughs> in other words, the, the enemy can cause things um, like anti-gravity effects. You know, the, the, the victim can start levitating or any object in the room can start levitating. There, there'll be remarkable temperature changes that just make no sense. You know, half of the room can be 110 degrees, uh, and then half of the room can be 37 degrees, and there's no wall in between those. That mm. the, somehow there's coldness and heat being contained in two different places in the room and so forth. But one one of the effects is also uh, the fact that... Hold that thought. I'm sorry, Father. Uh, we're at a network break. It's only a minute and a half, but hold that thought right there. We're going to come right back with Father Carlos Martin's The Exorcist File podcast drops next week on the 25th. You can find more information about it, exorcistfiles.tv. Go to exorcistfiles.tv, but more is coming up right after this break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, How do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Coming up at the top of the next hour, Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, is going to be our guest. He's asking the question that atheists are asking. If God can be good, well, then he can be evil too, right? What does Thomas Aquinas say? We'll talk about that at the top of the next hour. Do join us if you are able. But Father Carlos Martins is our guest He's got a brand new podcast dropping called uh, The Exorcist Files. You can find information about it at exorcistfiles.tv, exorcistfiles.tv. Father, welcome back. You were just, we asked you about the binaural thing, this effect that you're going to be using in your podcast to sort of immerse the listener in the environment as you recount these stories. And so you left us on a cliffhanger. Uh, right. You, you were talking about all of this uh, paranormal activity that happens during these, or at least some of these exorcist sessions. Take it from there. Yeah. So what the binaural 3D audio does is it allows the listener to be inside the room as an exorcism is being reenacted. So you get the experience of being a participant within the room. So the 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 movement of the persons in the room is 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 able to be captured in 3D audio. Uh, in other words, it, it would be just like if you're in a room where, for example, you're at a party and there's kind of movement of people walking around. When you're listening with your headphones, when you're listening to on on a on a device that allows you to experience uh, a 3D rendering, what what you're hearing is the movement in the room so that the fading in and out of the voice the movement of the voice the movement of 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 the possessed victim across the room mm. and it gives people this has never been done before in terms of of exorcism so it gives people the flavor of what it's like to be in the room what what will an exorcist experience so that that when when there's a dialogue when there's a back and forth between the demon and the priest what does it sound like what does it feel like that's what the listener is going to experience. I should say that to get the full effect of that, the listener really needs to have headphones on. That's uh, right. If you're listening just over like your your phone speakers, it won't really have that same sort of effect. That's right. That's right. Unless you have a very high-end mm-hmm. stereo system in your living room, let's mm-hmm. say. Surround sound um, or something like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or if your car has that, then, then you'll be able to experience it. Otherwise, no. Now, uh, I've talked to several uh, exorcists in my my time, Adam Bly being a consultant to exorcist as well. And a lot of times they'll say, 
this type of activity during an exorcism, you know, levitations, uh, uh, violence or aggression or the temperature shifts and all of this sort, you know, the head spinning around 360 degrees and vom- projectile vomiting like in the movies. They'll say that this is essentially the temper tantrum of, of, of a little brat, which is the demon, like acting like a little brat, hoping to intimidate and scare uh, people. And then once they kind of get past that, once it like, you know, that doesn't affect me anymore, those kind of shenanigans really don't happen. Is that the case from your experience? Absolutely it is, yeah. You know, so so if there's a new person in the room um, when I conduct an exorcism, uh, and why might there be even a new person in the room? Um, you know, you bring people in the room. Uh, first of all, you need people to be able to hold down the victim and keep the victim from hurting you. You know, you, of course, the demon takes over the body of the victim from hurting you, from hurting the victim himself, herself. Uh, you, you want them to, to stay put. So generally, you're going to have three really stout men, one on each arm, holding the victim down in a chair. You, you know, you're usually, you have a metal or a very large oak wooden chair, like a strong chair, with a table in front of them. And, and you have the arms being held down onto this table. You have a third man, generally at the legs, hugging them. To, to, so to, that he's going to prevent kicking and he's going to prevent the victim from being able to stand up and kind of walk away or the demon, I should say from, from standing up and, and, and leaving the room and so forth. So you have these three holders. You also have intercessors. You have, you have people whose job it is to pray there. And so you're bringing in people who have a job. Uh, you, you would have a nurse or a doctor if such is needed. I mean, generally when you have a new case, you, you would have somebody serving in that capacity or at least somebody with some wherewithal in terms of medicine. Um, you would not have spectators. You absolutely don't. It would be very dangerous for somebody to come in with an attitude of, hey, I'm just going to watch because I'm going to satisfy my curiosity. Uh, and what you're doing there is you're giving the demon an audience and he's going to feel that. That is already forming a relationship with him. You're, you're deriving entertainment from the presence of the enemy. That is relationship forming. That is absolutely what you do not want. Well, how is uh, Father, the? how is, because um, someone was asking if by watching this, they're opening the door to the demonic and you were just speaking about how, you know, we don't want audiences for the devil. Uh, he, we shouldn't bring spectators into exorcisms. And I understand as a, as a recreation, but what's the distinction or difference between that and uh, listening to, to the podcast? Sure. And that's a great question. So when this is at heart, this is a catechesis. The, the production is not simply an, 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 well, it's not at all an aggrandizement of the devil. It's, it's not at all uh, an effort to, to give him a stage so that he can put on display what he's able to do and, and, and thereby scare people through it. This is a thoroughgoing catechesis. And, and, you know, one of the things that really spoke to me was a statistic I saw from a recent Pew survey. And it found that the number of religiously unaffiliated persons uh, that from, from the age of 18 to 29 grew from 15% to 20% in just five years. In just five years, 
that percentage went up one third of wow. people who want nothing to do with religion, with formal religion. Yet at the same time, a different survey found that that same age group, 18 to 29 years old, 63% of that group believes in the existence of demons. So you have this distrust of formal religion on one side, and yet they are in count. Something is happening in their lives that is making them conclude that demons are real. So they're not abandoning the supernatural. They're just abandoning organized religion and they're kind of setting sail on their own. And in that, in that setting sail, they're encountering the demonic. And so that's, that's an, a really interesting development in a tragic sense. I wanted to speak to that. And so I, in, in, in terms of a podcast, this was a way in which I could try to reach that group of people. You know, they're, they're very technologically comfortable. When you say, hey, there's a free uh, podcast, um, it's available on any platform where you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, in Google Play and so forth. Uh, that, that's all you need to tell that crowd. They'll go and find it in five seconds. They'll have it on their phone and they're listening to something. And so that, that is, I, I, you know, why wouldn't I just produce a lecture? Because most people are not going to listen to just a lecture. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the old church going laying lady, <laughs> she might be comfortable with a lecture. You might be comfortable with a lecture hearing about demons, but this is going to speak to people who are unchurched. And I, I, I know that just in the time that, that it's been released, this podcast has moved to the top of, of the, the true crime and horror genre, which oh, wow. is a genre, one of the basic categories in podcasting. For my sister's uh, favorite. Yeah, very popular <laughs> these days. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's designed to keep people in suspense and on the edge of their seats. And, and we, we, we thought, you know what, we can do this, but we can do this in a way that is tasteful to the church's mm. teaching, that is not aggrandizing the, the devil. And nobody by listening to it is going to become attached or, or is is opening himself or herself to a relationship with the devil i mean as long as you're in the state of grace yourself meaning mm -hmm. that you're in communion with god that you have no mortal sin on your soul that you're living a christian life uh there there's no harm in listening to this you're going to be learning about god's identity primarily through this even even when one is learning about the enemy one is learning about satan that is indirectly a learning about god because satan forms part of 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 the cosmology that god has created right uh, so he is he his behavior is an aberration but learning about an aberration does itself speak to god's original design and plan and and that's a fascinating thing mm -hmm. we catholics we're fascinated by that kind of thing like even you know, it's in our tradition to learn about a banana, for example, is, right. 
to learn about God. Father, as like, we're uh, winding down here, we just have maybe one or two minutes left. I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously this is, uh, thank you for clarifying that uh, that question from one of our listeners. But uh, to follow the thread of, uh, you know, people people listening and maybe learning a little bit about the Catholic Church, uh, what about the producers? Were they, did they find this uh, interesting? Was it maybe a, a door to open them into coming into the church? Yeah, well, so each one of them was a very, is a very thoroughgoing Christian, very committed to Christ. And the fact that they're working in Hollywood at, at, as Christians already speaks to the, the relationship they have with Christ. Because if, if it wasn't robust and thoroughgoing, they wouldn't have gotten this far in their careers. Uh, but they, our relationship started out very good and it has only gotten better. Uh, and so they have learned, uh, you know, uh, about all about the Catholic faith and, and their respect for it has increased immensely. Uh, I know that even certain answers, uh, certain questions that I'm asked by when I give these kinds of interviews on, say, Protestant stations, uh, one of them chimes in and gives a very, a very thoroughgoing Catholic answer. So they, they've learned a lot. They've learned a Praise lot. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, we're down to the uh, wire here with Father Carlos Martins. The podcast is called The Exorcist Files. Now, how many do we, is there, do you have a finite number of episodes? Is this going to be an ongoing project? There is going to be a beginning next Wednesday, two released per week until April. And so your your listeners can chime in uh, wherever they get their, their podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or so forth. But if they want to go to the website, which is exorcistfiles.tv, all of the platforms are listed there. They can also sign up with their email to be notified when the podcasts are released. Okay. I encourage people to do that because they'll be notified of a different project come, happening down the road. Oh, and I'm working on it also in this area. So. I will have you back for that. ExorcistFiles.tv. Get signed up on his email list so you get the info. God bless you, Father. Thank you for being on with us today. We'll see you in the next hour and on Monday. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. It's a myth that there's a perfect way to be a parent. The reality is that every family, every couple, every child is different. But when parents work together, they can figure it out. We have 10 kids of our own, so we know this path is not an easy one. We used to think that it was our job to make our children into saints. Now we realize that it's their job to make us into saints. This parenting thing is full of dying to self, hardships that are both physical and emotional. Parenting makes you more aware of your sinfulness and weakness more than almost anything else you will ever do. But this is exactly where God wants us, so he can shower us with his mercy and love. God doesn't love us in spite of our humanity. He loves us because of it. Parenting is our path to holiness. And as we change and mature, we will be better parents. We may even become saints. To get more advice and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. 
family. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com. Hi, I'm Amy Shields from St. Dominic Village, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Whoa. Whoa. I, I, were, you, were you like me, afraid of... Excerpt, like all the, the dark, horror, all the horror movies made you afraid of the dark. Like, remember that Denzel Washington movie where the demons were being passed simply by touch? So, like, they no. were being, yeah. I'm gonna be real with you. Mm-hmm. The one movie that really ruined my life, really uh, made me scared of the dark. Uh huh. Really, just terrified. Okay. It was. You're gonna laugh. I'm gonna laugh. It Chucky. was signs. What's that? M. Night oh, Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. The science <laughs> It's film. an alien movie. It was a spooky <laughs> one, though. It was oh, a spooky no. one. Remember, like, the uh, looking under the, the, the pantry door? Spoiler <sighs> alert, by the way. Uh, you look at, they were looking under the pantry door because the creature was inside there? Ugh. Uh, you no know? Yeah. yeah. It was all, and they were hiding under the, the staircase. Remember that? So that nice. movie made me prepared. I always keep a, a glass of water. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but I always keep a glass of water next to my bed just in case. <laughs> in case you get raided by aliens. aliens. What? Are actually so they like die demons from water? manifesting themselves. What? They yeah, die I'm from sorry. water? What? Yeah, was, Is that what happened? What no spoilers, say? Adrian. Huh? What do you, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Do 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 All right, hey, we'll what? talk more about that in the after show. Movies that scared you uh, and made you afraid of the uh, of uh, things like <laughs> exorcisms, making you think that you could somehow be possessed so easily for no real reasons. Uh, turns out there are actual reasons, uh, which you could also avoid, by the way. But we'll talk about that in the after show. But if you missed the podcast or if you missed the uh, the conversation with Father Carlos Martins, catch the podcast. You can do that on iTunes. You can search for the Catholic Drive Time there. You uh, should leave a five-star review while you're there. You can do it on Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. But a great place to do it is just on the mobile app. Just go to the iOS or Android app store and look for the Guadalupe Radio Network, and you can download that today. You can listen to your local GRN radio station, get your programming information. You can get contact information, donate to the GRN. You can also get the podcast of today's program on Catholic Drive Time there as well. Search for the GRN on your app store today. All right. Before I jump in with uh, our good friend Dave Palmer, can I mention to you that your chance to win a brand new 2023 CLA 250 Mercedes is amazing. Okay. Your chances are going to be very, very good. You really do have a, an opportunity here. $25 a piece, a book of five for $100 can get you into the drawing to win a brand new Mercedes. Come February the 24th, some lucky Catholic radio listener's name is going to be pulled out of that barrel. It could be. 
Just imagine driving a brand new Mercedes in 2023. It's a great deal. If you want more information about the rules, what's involved, all of that, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. No, raffle. grnonline.com. I'm old. Give me a break. grnonline.com forward slash raffle for the rules and all that. But if you want to be a gigachad, as all the kids say today, and do they still say that, or they are do. you guys so old that you just think they say that when it, they really say something else? It might be on its tail end out, but... Okay, so that's another thing, it's tail end still, out. It's still a thing. So if you want to be a gigachad, you got to call your local GM. you got to call your local general manager at the local GRN radio station and say, listen, I took that extra step to call you. I could have just bought my tickets online, super simple, two minutes in, and, I got, and I'm done. But I called you because I want to help. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the, the team that makes this thing a winner. So uh, you can find their information on the mobile app. See how that works? Just go to your app store, download Guadalupe Radio Network. All right, praise be to God. Good luck. God bless. And uh, if you win, you are obligated to give us a ride through the Taco Cabana drive through Just putting that out there. It's one of the rules. Don't fact check me. Hey, uh, good morning to you, Dave Palmer. Hey, uh, Good morning, G. What uh, what was there a movie that scared you most about exorcisms? Uh, about exorcisms. Well, the actual exorcist movie, you know, with the spinning head, yeah. and the levitation, and all mm-hmm. that. I mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the gold standard uh, of <laughs> uh, the exorcism movies. I think that's the one that really put exorcism into Hollywood's mind. But uh, yeah, I'd have to go back to that one. And then there was the exorcism of Emily Rose. I was going to mention that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, that one. And, uh, you know, I, I thought you were going to ask me just in general about spooky movies. Mm-hmm. And there was one back in, I think, the 70s called the Amityville Horror. Do you oh, that one? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That one, I think that had to do have some demonic um, mm-hmm. elements to it. And I just remember as a young kid watching that, and really being spooked out. So I'd have to put that one on the list, too. Yeah, Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood really manipulating people in that regard, uh, for I, I think for nefarious reasons, whereas I think Father Carlos Martin's project could do well to overcome a lot of that in popular uh, culture. So I'm praying for his success there. But let's, let's switch bases a little bit. Father Carlos Martin's was an atheist before his conversion, and uh, you're tackling a topic today on Back to the Father. Atheists will often ask, well, if God can be good, well, then why can't God be evil? And isn't God evil? Uh, what do you say, Dave Palmer? Yeah, that, that's right. I, the, the whole way this came about is I have a YouTube channel where I teach fo- focused specifically on topics related to the Summa Theologia. And about a week ago, a guy commented, he put a comment on the page and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing a video on the evil God challenge? And so I wrote it back and I said, well, uh, to be honest with you, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of that specific challenge. So I looked it up and it is a thing. And um, what is, can you describe what the evil God challenge actually is? Yeah, I want to thank Adrian, because Adrian sent a, a video over of an interview that another gentleman had done on YouTube. And basically, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a way to pro, um, promote atheism. And it's a challenge saying, well, if, you know, we all, we all have this kind of assumption that God is good. And they're saying, well, wouldn't it be just as reasonable to say that God is evil? And if we can't, and so they're probably putting those two on the same level. And if we can't 
prove either or if God is, if it's just as reasonable that God, God could be evil as he could be good and we really can't figure it out, well, then maybe God doesn't exist in the first place. Okay. That, that's what I think the premise is. And I think Adrian, you've probably watched that interview as well. Uh, I, I took it and even before I went and tried to read what other people were saying about it, I tried to take my teaching and understanding of St. Thomas Aquinas and put together an argument based on his teachings. And so that's what we're going to do on the show today is say, you know, how would Aquinas respond to this and mm. to say that it is a lot more reasonable to believe that God is good? Now, I think a lot of people, when they think of atheism, they think of a fairly recent phenomena. But uh, would Thomas Aquinas have been dealing with or knowing uh, what we term as atheism in his time? Yeah, I think I think for sure. I mean, because he and even the the question in the second question of the of the Summa about does God exist, he has to come up with, you know, counter arguments or objections. And one of them, you know, he says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Right. So even in Scripture, uh, there is uh, an element saying the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And he quotes that saying that, you know, there, there are some people that don't believe in God. And so we have to at least address this question. So I think there, there's no doubt that there was atheism back in the 13th century. How much do you think the argument, the atheist, you know, the effort that atheists put into trying to disprove the existence of God, how much of that is emotional versus how much of that is intellectual? Well, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of it is emotional. I think it's personal experience. I think uh, if you remember, whether you liked it or not, that that movie God uh, God is Dead. If you remember that, or Kevin God Turbo is not movie. dead. Yeah, 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 God, yeah, yeah, yeah. God is not dead. I'm sorry. And if you remember, not not to spoil it. So if anybody hasn't seen it, turn off the uh, the, the, the radio for thirty <laughs> no, seconds. No, don't you, spoil. God's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but if you remember, at the very end, that professor whose life objective that you know Kevin mm-hmm. Sorbo played. Uh, of, of convincing people that God does not exist, it, it turned out to be a very personal matter for him. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Uh, it became something that was very, very personal. And that's all I'll say. I don't want to give it away because I actually <laughs> thought it was a pretty good, pretty good movie. You I'm liked it, the only you? one. <laughs> I, I actually did. I, 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 the other ones that came after it, I'm not so sure. But so I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's, uh, you know, why did my mom have to die? Why did, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, whatever, something personal, something emotional. Uh, why? Why do I have, you know, this personal inclination or why am I this way yeah. or that way? Why didn't I have better parents? And so right. certainly a, a good God would not allow this to happen. You know, which is fascinating because uh, recently I was going through the audio book of AA 125 published by Tan. It's a it's a a book that's been out for a very long time and Tan republished it. Then they had it uh, produced in audio book form by Kevin O'Brien, who is, by the way, a fantastic reader. Uh, anything that he reads is gold, so uh, highly recommend it. But AA-125 is purported to be the memoir of an, uh, a communist infiltrator of the church as a priest. I think it's historical fiction, but nonetheless, the story goes that the kid, when he discovers that not only was he abandoned by his real parents, uh, that he was picked up uh, out of pity by these, the, these new parents, he basically rebels against God. He hates God and spends the rest of his life as a communist infiltrator pretending to be a priest trying to destroy the church from within because of his hatred towards God, which makes me think, going back to what you said a minute ago about it being mostly emotional, as apologists for the Catholic faith, 
how often should we, when we hear an argument, face an argument, stop, pause, and take a, and take a thought and go, hmm, where is this person coming from? If it's emotional, maybe reasonable, irrational arguments, intellectual arguments, is not the best tool for this job. What say you, Dave Palmer? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, I tend to agree. In fact, I, you know, somewhat, uh, I, I, I don't believe in atheists. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't. I can't imagine anybody reasonably experiencing the world as we experience it and sunsets and sunrises and birds and butterflies and right. the human person and, yeah. and, and coming to the conclusion that, oh, I, I think this just kind of popped out of nowhere. I, I don't think any, there's no creator behind this. So, so to get to your question, I, I think you're right. Maybe these arguments or the five proofs for the existence of God or you know, what we're going to talk about later on today and back to the Father, that, that we can prove that God is good, but I, I think you're right. We maybe have to reach these people at a personal level. Maybe great Catholic counselors need to, first of all, deal with their emotional issues or their personal issues, and then once they get beyond that, they would be in a position to be able to uh, accept what I think they already know already, that there, there is a God, and yeah, that he is good. I've always been so fascinated with Fulton Sheen when he would tell stories about, you know, there was one in particular, a lady who came to see him and, you know, she made him promise that he would not uh, ask her to go to confession. So he ends up pushing her into the confessional, you know, that kind of thing. But he was always great about listening to people and sort of intuitively knowing the heart of their problem. And they might be arguing on the surface in some intellectual way, but he knew underneath that it would stem to some emotional you know, issue, some sin that they had committed or whatever, and he would be able to cut through the fat and get right to that. I wish I had that capability. I think we would, we would be far more effective in evangelizing and, and helping people to make that conversion, assisting them with, on that journey than I think we actually are, because sometimes I think we talk past each other. Do, do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I mean, it's, it's really, it's all based on charity. And if you truly love the person, you know, there's that old saying about nobody cares about how much you know until they know how much you care and, you know, that whole thing. And I, but I think there's some truth to that. If, if, if somebody really thinks that you care about them as a person individually and what they're going through in their life circumstances, then they're going to be more open to, uh, not only you, but also the God that, that we believe in. So I, I think you, you definitely have to take that approach. Yeah, and I was also thinking, I was watching some of these videos. You watch these, some of these videos like on uh, the TFP channel is good about showing some of this stuff, but I've seen it elsewhere at these pro-life rallies or whatever. And these people, they, they get almost diabolic in their insane response to pro-lifers. They are diabolic. They yell out things like, hell, Satan. Yeah, they say crazy things. They, you, you just kind of sit back and go. Like I was watching pictures of uh, Madonna's latest photo shoot. You're like, these, these people are lost. Pray for their souls. They're so emotionally destroyed that it's an intellectual argument may not get us there. So let me encourage everybody, tune in today, 1 p.m. Central, on the GRN's YouTube channel and Facebook page for the challenge, the God is Evil challenge with Dave Palmer, Back to the Father. Just look at YouTube for GRN Online or Facebook for GRN Online, 1 p.m. Central today. Dave Palmer, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for being on with us today. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. All right. 877-757-9424. Call now. What does the word apologetics mean? The word apologetics is derived from an ancient Greek word, apologia or apologia, which means an apology. 
Not an apology in the modern sense of the word, which is to say you're sorry for something, but rather an apology in the ancient sense of the word, which is to make a reasoned defense of something or someone. In ancient times, the word apology referred to the case a lawyer would make on behalf of his client. So apologetics is about building the case for our faith, learning how to explain and defend our faith. Basically, there are three types of apologetics, natural, Christian, and Catholic. Natural apologetics builds the case for truths that we can know from the natural light of reason, truths that are able to be known without any divine intervention, truths such as the existence of God, the innate spirituality of the human soul, the objective reality of right and wrong, truths which the articles of our faith rest upon and build upon. Christian apologetics, on the other hand, builds the case for divinely revealed truths, truths that cannot be known by reason apart from faith. Truths such as the reality of biblical miracles, the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, and the resurrection, to name a few. Catholic apologetics encompasses all of Christian apologetics since Catholicism is the fullness of Christianity, but Catholic apologetics tends to focus on those truths of Christianity that are not generally believed by non-Catholic Christians. Truths such as the Catholic Church having been founded by Jesus Christ, the papacy, the sacraments, the Immaculate Conception, and others. Again, the three main types of apologetics are natural, Christian, and Catholic. And in this course, we will be focusing mainly on Catholic apologetics, how to explain and defend the truths of our Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas that you can't tell anybody because we know you're out there. Don't tell anybody. All right, you keep this between us and I'll tell you all my secrets. But number one, I need a phone call. First caller gets to play the game. They get to play the game, and they could win. Today we're giving out prizes, so your chance to win is like right now. 877-757-9424. That phone number is wide open to you right now. First caller plays the game at 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. But there are a few things we like to do on the download, the QT. We just don't tell anybody, all right? We keep it between us. But we are secretly manipulating your mind right now. Oh, yeah. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time in the process. And our callers are amazing when they call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. First caller plays the game at 877-757-9424. Then we give out prizes, which makes this an absolute winner for everyone involved. Because you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. And today, somebody is going to do all three. 
Here's the kicker, though. The secret sauce in all of this is we don't ask our caller the questions so they don't need to know the answers. Instead, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Blessed Catholic. Blessed Catholic collects, restores, mm-hmm. uh, fixes, mm-hmm. uh, beautifies. <laughs> what other uh, descriptors can I use here? Mm-hmm. They do this with antique medals and rosaries. They do this with uh, holy cards, and they give them new life for your devotions. Please Amazing. make sure to check out their Etsy page, as well as connect with them on Facebook if you're on Facebook. The winner this week is going to receive a handmade St. Francis pocket rosary, which features a sterling silver crucifix and white glass beads. If you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash blessed Catholic. And if you want to check out their wares, very, very beautiful medals on their uh, Etsy page right now, etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash blessed Catholic. Thank you so much, blessed Catholic. Praise be to God. Thank you, blessed Catholic, for your generous gift allowing us to give cool stuff to our listeners. We appreciate that most. All right, let's go to the phones. Erica, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Erica. Where are you calling from? We are calling from Haslett, Texas, which is just north of Fort Worth. Whoa, the great white north, the tundra, the frozen tundra of the north. Like what is it like to uh, fourteen below up there? Are you are you guys like huddling for body heat or like what's going on up there? We are. It's only thirty seven. <laughs> only degrees. Whew, it's gonna be a ago. it's gonna be a balmy eighty degrees today in Houston, Texas. That's <laughs> like the temperature up in uh Wisconsin and Milwaukee. You know, yes. Oh Bundle up, brother. It's gonna be chilly. All right, Erica, who's with you right now? So I have Isabel, who's Ooh. nine, my daughter, and my son, Gabriel, who's nice. seven. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise be to God. We're very grateful you are on with us today. Uh, let's see. Are we on our way to school today? Are we going to go skydiving, shark dive? What's on the agenda today? Not going to school today. Yes. <laughs> they sound excited. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, be honest with me, Isabella and Gabriel. Uh, you can You can tell me the truth here. History is your favorite subject in school, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay, what's your favorite subject then? Isabel, what's your favorite subject? Isabel, did I lose you? She's thinking about it. Math? Did you say say math? She said math. (sighs) I do not share your religious perspective, Isabel. What about you, Gabriel? What's your favorite subject in school? Math, both math, of you. Wow. Both Mathematicians. Both math geniuses. and oh, That's amazing. Well, better you than me. All right. Are you all familiar with the rules? Do you know how this game works? Yeah. All right. Excellent. So, uh, you know, I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. I'm your guide, your, your tour guide. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can navigate these very right. tricky, tricky waters with Rudy and Adrian. Rudy, we'll start with you first. This is our tradition, our patrimony. Okay. Traditionis Rudolphus. That's right. Thank you. You're welcome. Are you ready, sir? Yeah, I'm ready. Can you tell me who was the first martyr of North America? Ah, yes. 
So, look, this is a, a bit of a historical uh, yeah. question Ooh, here. I love these. So let yes. me fill you in with the history of uh-huh. the first martyr. Oh. It actually was George Washington. Really? At his deathbed, <gasps> he was surrounded by Freemasons, and they said, don't you dare convert. Don't you dare repent. Really? And he did. Wow. And so they killed him. Boom. Are first you martyr. Serious? Are you? Yeah, 100%. Huh. When you say 100%. 100 percent okay. it is the consensus it's the consensus I see. Okay. of the historical Ooh, community. all right let's see adrian um you are probably going to be martyred very likely could you tell me uh, probably soon who was the first <laughs> martyr of north america yes that would be san juan de padilla really i like he the way you say that too. and unfortunately he did not have the privilege of being a dominican he was actually a franciscan <laughs> uh to his great chagrin I am not sure that no, last no, no, bit. I'm but, confirm. Um, no, I'm confirmed. I'm going to Google that. Too just great. to be sure. Just, just want to make sure. Want to verify? It's uh, confirmed. He was very chagrined by the fact that he wasn't Verify is the rule. <laughs> All right, Erica, Isabel, and Gabriel. You got options. The very first martyr of North America. Adrian says it was St. Juan de Parilla. Uh, but Rudy says it was George Washington. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? So wise. Fun fact, St. Juan de Padilla was martyred not that far from where you guys are right now. Wow. Yeah, up there in the Fort Worth, what would be considered today the Diocese of the Fort, Wor- of Fort Worth. He was martyred there. Well, clearly Isabella is a is a brilliant and probably soon to be 10th grade champion, history champion of the year. <laughs> Even though she loves math. Even though she loves math. <laughs> That's how she, good she is. It's that she easy, Adrian. It's, it's how good she is. St. Juan de Padilla. Pray for us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a really cool story. Praise be to God. All right. Let's see if we can't get you in there for a second time, a oh. chance to win the prize this week. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian. Now, I'm not saying you're a criminal, but I think you may know a lot about this subject. A smooth criminal? Hmm, some would some say. Would say uh, Adrian, can you help me out? Are yes, criminals who have been condemned to death uh-huh. eligible for extreme unction. Uh, well, they if they are going to be condemned to death, then you get extreme unction before you die, don't you? So, yeah, of course. Why would you not give it to criminals? So your official answer is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're in danger of death. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm really curious. Rudy, I wonder what you're going to say. Could you help me out? Are criminals who have been condemned to death eligible for extreme unction? I can only answer this question in Spanish. Oh, I see. My answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Didn't see that coming for some reason. All right. So (laughs) the question is tricky. It is very tricky. Mm -hmm. Are criminals who have been condemned to death eligible for extreme unction? Rudy says no. Adrian says yeah. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Erica, Isabel, and Gabriel, what say you? Uh, so the kids aren't, haven't decided, so they're getting me to answer. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Adrian. No, free Rudy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, it's a trick question. Yeah, they're not sick. They're not sick. Extreme auction is for those who are are dying of illness. Last rights is what they would get. Now, I promise you, I will martyr Adrian as a result of choosing (laughs) this tricky question, which tricked you. I'm so sorry. But no is the correct answer. You got to be sick to get extreme unction. All right, let's go to the third one. See if we can't get you in there for perfect score or for at least two chances. Anyway, back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me what is the term for an appearance of someone either by vision or by bodily manifestation that is permitted by God? That is known as the Sunday scaries. That feeling of dread. That feeling of anxiety. Sometimes happen. Most of the time happens on Sundays. Really? Yeah. Sunday the Sunday scary. Mm-hmm. Who at the Vatican came up with this? I'm just curious. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's say what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, can you help? Yes, what is the term for an appearance of someone, either by a vision or by bodily manifestation, that is permitted by God? Yes, that would be called an apparition, kind of like the apparitions of mm-hmm. Our Lady. Oh, so apparition. I see. Okay. All right, uh, Erica, Isabel, and Gabriel, you're mathematicians. You should figure this out. Is it <laughs> apparition, as Adrian says, or the Sunday scaries, as Rudy wants you to believe? Adrian. <laughs> wow. Isabel. Right. So wise. Brilliant. Clearly, All she's right. a, a woman of good taste. <laughs> Here begins the well shuffle. Well played, Isabel. Well played. Let's and... see if it's God's holy will that you should win. We're, we're going to pull an eight. It could be, it could not be your name. I don't know. Let's see. Leticia. Leticia. Congratulations. Congratulations, Leticia. Well, Erica, Isabel, and Gabriel, you played well. We had a laugh, but it was not God's holy will that you should win this time. Call back in about a month or so, and you could try again. And I'm sure... God will reward you for it. God bless you guys. Thanks for playing Thank our you, game today. Guys. Have a great day. And check out St. Juan de Padilla. What a great story. Praise be to God. God rest his soul. And may he pray for us. All right. That's going to do it for the radio show for this week. Do join us in the after show. What scary movies got you all worked up about exorcisms? I'd love to know. Chat about that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt or go to one of our live video feeds, which are all linked up there. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The Salt Community. For more information, please visit salt.net. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Sebastian. This Mass is offered for the intentions of our online viewers and all those listening through Guadalupe Radio. This truly is a martyr who shed his blood for the name of Christ, who did not fear the threats of judges, 
but attain the heavenly kingdom. This truly is a martyr who shed his blood for the name of Christ, who did not fear the threats of judges, but attained the heavenly kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Sebastian, who gave his life as a martyr in Rome in perhaps the year 288 on this day. It is said that he grew up in Milan, that because of his Christian faith he joined the Roman army, keeping his faith, faith hidden as a way to strategically be near the martyrs and encourage them as they gave their lives that he became a captain of the Praetorian Guard, but that in time his faith was discovered, that as artists have often painted in paintings, he was first shot with arrows, but miraculously recovered, confronted the emperor to his face, and the emperor then made sure that he killed him truly. He is well-loved in Rome, and his intercession considered effective against plague. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord, a spirit of fortitude, so that taught by the glorious example of your martyr, Saint Sebastian, we may learn to obey you rather than men. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, now our high priest has obtained so much more excellent a ministry as he is mediator of a better covenant and acted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, no place would have been sought for a second one. But he finds fault with them and says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will conclude a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers, the day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt. For they did not stand by my covenant, and I ignored them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one of his fellow citizen and kin, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from least to greatest. For I will forgive their evil doing and remember their sins no more. When he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete. And what has become obsolete has grown old 
and is close to disappearing. The word of the Lord. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth shall meet. Show us, O Lord, your mercy, and grant us your salvation. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Kindness and truth shall meet. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him, and salvation along the way of his steps. Kindness and truth shall meet. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach and have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The Gospel of the Lord. As we've been reading through the letter to the Hebrews in the first reading in these recent days, we've been hearing about the superiority of our Lord Jesus to this, the Old Covenant. We've been hearing about him as the eternal high priest who offers himself as the perfect sacrifice, offering into the real temple of heaven, not just a copy. Today in our first reading, we're hearing about how he created, was the mediator of a better covenant, a new covenant, declaring the first one obsolete. Now, back when I was 19, halfway through college, I was an evangelical Protestant, and I was seriously questioning the beliefs of my faith at the time. And I've been looking into Judaism, and this formed some questions for me, and one of those questions was this. If you were living under the Old Covenant, why would you suppose that that covenant was good and yet incomplete and needing a fulfillment? You know, it would be one thing I thought at the time if it were bad, the Old Covenant was bad, but good and incomplete, why would that be? 
And specifically, I thought at the time, well, if forgiveness of sins was offered under the Old Covenant, and forgiveness of sins is offered under the New Covenant, then what improvement came about? And I said, well, I guess, I guess there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's something. But at the time to myself, I thought it didn't seem like a lot had changed. Now, I don't suppose that probably any of you listening are that situation. 19-year-old evangelical Protestant college student questioning the faith from the perspective of Judaism. But I, I bring that up because it is nevertheless entirely possible that you listening or someone you know could be in that situation. That is someone who is thinking, all that I get out of this is forgiveness of my sins. Or if some have said, all I get out of this is a sort of eternal version of fire insurance, you know, keeping me out of the fires of hell. That's why I attend Mass, so I don't go to hell. To which I would say to you or to myself back when I was 19, oh, you are just scratching the surface. You're really kind of missing the entire point if you think that all that is going on is forgiveness of sins. Now, responding to myself when I was 19, I would say, first of all, in a very precise way, that if I thought that forgiveness of sins was offered on the Old Covenant, that some think that actually it wasn't, that, you know, that sins committed unknowingly were forgiven, but not those committed knowingly. Some think that. But many more think, say, well, you know, if the blood of those sacrifices was effective in forgiving sins, it was not because of them, it's because they were offering, uh, operating even then as a sort of, something sort of like a sacrament, of Christ's sacrifice, right? That they would never have been effective except that Christ would come and offer his perfect sacrifice and so grace sort of traveling backward in time made them effective. And they never would have been effective on their own. So that would be a very specific answer to one of the things I was thinking at the time. But a more general way is to say what Christ is accomplishing in the New Covenant is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Think about it. To accomplish the covenant, the one who accomplished it is God himself, God the Son from all eternity. And he took on human nature. So this divine person from, from, for, the, for all eternity going forward will always be human as well as divine. And he came here and lived among us and gave his life. And he did this to give us a change of identity. We were created in the image and likeness of God, but he came to form a covenant in which we would be far closer than that. That we would be, through him, we would receive a divine adoption as sons and daughters of God the Father. So much more than the forgiveness of sins. And that he would give us his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And then he would join us, graft us on as onto a tree, onto his mystical body, the Holy Church, the mystical body of Christ. And then he would fill us with faith and hope and love. And he would give us a share in his own office as a prophet and priest and king. And the New Testament talks about how the Old Covenant, the old law of the Old Covenant, was able to teach us what was right and wrong, but not able to give us the power to do what was right. Whereas his covenant, this new and eternal covenant, gives us that power, changes us from within, makes saints who are outstanding in goodness, freedom, love, like St. Sebastian, whom we remember today, and all the saints, 
strong, able to give their love, even give their lives in praise and glory to God and love to others. And so it is that we heard, we read in the prophet Ezekiel back in the Old Testament, as he talked about how the day would come when we would be sprinkled clean, given a new heart and a new spirit, taking away our heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. And to the prophet Joel, he would say, the Holy Spirit will be upon everyone. Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will prophesy. Or as we hear today, the letter to the Hebrews quoting from Jeremiah, I will make a different covenant. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. All shall know me from least to greatest. So much more than mere forgiveness of the penalty of sins. Christ came to save us from sin, to make us holy, to make us amazing saints, truly living as sons and daughters of the Father. The question, of course, is do we know this each day? Do we accept it? Do we embrace it? Do we live it, including with courage? Let us pray to the Lord for one another. That Christians may show their faith through their own behavior. Let us pray to the Lord. That all who do not know God may be illuminated by the light of the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. That all who are despised and tortured may come to be freed from their sufferings. Let us pray to the Lord that we may always live in the grace of God. Let us pray to the Lord. That the Lord may lighten the work of this day and our tasks bring us consolation and joy. Let us pray to the Lord. O Lord, we ask you to hear our prayer and grant that your aid may come to all those for whom we have prayed through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
Most merciful God, pour out your blessing upon these offerings and confirm us in the faith that blessed Sebastian professed by the shedding of his blood. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr Sebastian, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Tegus Sabahot, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity.
together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin. And in our days. And graciously grant Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For all those who are not able to receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. 
My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. I am the true vine, and you are the branches, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, bears fruit in plenty. I am the true vine, and you are the branches, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, bears fruit in plenty. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I am the true vine, and you are the branches, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, bears fruit in plenty. Let us pray. Made new by these sacred mysteries, we pray, O Lord, that imitating the wondrous constancy of blessed Sebastian, we may merit an eternal reward for suffering endured. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Alma, Redemptoris Mater, Que pervia celi portamanes, Et stella maris, The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is KSHJAM 1430 Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are 100% listener supported. And do you know what that means? This is your radio station. Thank you so much for your generous support. 